This is a Crow's Nest podcast. Ahoy hoy, and welcome back to Titanic Talkline. I am Alexia, and, uh, do I have any new housekeeping? Oh, uh, as always, buy t-shirts, find my link tree, like the show on all the places, and, uh, get in touch with me. Tell me why you like Titanic, and, you know, all that good stuff, because, you know, it's all about connecting. And speaking of connecting, I'm really excited to connect you with my episode guest for today, so please go ahead and take a listen. I mean... If if anyone needs to be edited, it's probably me. Um, But uh, first of all, thank you so much for joining us. But uh, just, again, I don't want to take up too much of your time. Could you please just introduce yourself a little bit? No, absolutely no problem at all. I'm quite happy to to have the conversation. It'd be good. Great. Um, would you be able to just introduce yourself a little bit and maybe tell a bit of your Titanic story before I like yeah, jump right into fun. it? I'm so sorry. I hit a button and I don't know what happened. I think I uh, accidentally I've unmuted myself you. now, I think. That's okay. Yeah, I started to go. I'll be in full flow very... and then you'll be missing it. <laughs> oh, God, yeah. I'm very, I'm super tuned in. I'm sorry. What time of the day is it for you, Lauren? <laughs> Oh, it's one thirty. They're in the in the afternoon. There's no excuse for me to be like <laughs> that's this. That's fine. That's fine. No, um, I'll, I'll begin if you like. Yeah, no, my my name is Simon Medhurst. Uh, live in the United Kingdom in Chelmsford in Essex. Um, yeah, it's lovely to speak to you today. Uh, my great grandfather was Robert Hitchens, who was uh, helmsman and quartermaster on Titanic. Um, obviously, I didn't know my connection with. Titanic at all uh, until I found my birth father in uh, 2012. Um, so before right. that, um, I collected Titanic memorabilia and you know books and signatures of survivors and those sort of things from my early twenties. So I was very much into social history when I was sort of in my early twenties. So collecting Titanic material and things like that were were, were sort of part of that journey. Uh, but say it wasn't till I was 45 that um, I realised that actually I was a direct relative of Robert Hitchens, his actual great-grandson, um, when I found my birth father, which was quite a, quite a journey from then on, really. It sounds like it. What? I don't want to get like too much into things That's if fine. you don't want to talk about them, but... As someone who was a Titanic enthusiast beforehand, what was that journey to finding your father like and then discovering that link? Because I imagine they may have started sort of separately and then become conjoined. I wouldn't have known who Robert Hitchens was. Um, I knew who, obviously, Captain Smith and Lightoller and Murdoch and, and all the well known names, the officers and, and that sort of thing. But um, I I was more collected. I was I'm quite interested in the um, the story of the of the Titanic. So those involved on board and and those sort of things. So those things fascinated me. And I say I, I collected Melvina Dean's signature and a few others, Eva Hart, and I found that quite fascinating. Um, and then yeah, so then um, I think it was. It was at that point that I managed to find who my birth father was, and then it, again, it's, it was complete shock because it was—I think it was my sort of brother and sister-in-law that come up to me and sort of phoned me up and said, "We think we know who your birth father is. You know that, that he's actually connected to someone on Titanic." And it was a bit of a um, wow. well, if you can sort of imagine that sort of after collecting and, and being involved in Titanic, and then all of a sudden you're you're a direct relative. And there was a, a picture that I, I had grown up with, really, which was a picture of um, my nan, which my mum always used to say, oh, that's your real nan. And uh, so I had this picture mm-hmm. that I grew up with, which was of her holding me as a baby. And um, 
yeah, it wasn't until I found, oh. found my birth father. He said, oh, yeah, I took that picture. That's that's Robert's daughter. So all of a sudden it was a, oh. it was sort of that mind-blown moment of, of realisation that, you know, that there was as a baby being held by Robert's daughter and that I was actually, you know, his great-grandson. And it was like almost unbelievable really it was it was a real journey and there's a lot more to the story really than that but but that was really the basis of it but then then it gave me that thought actually I would like to know more about Robert so that was really my journey from from 2012 which was exactly 100 years um that I then started that journey really right. which was to find more about Robert and to to have more of a connection with the Titanic story and, and then to maybe promote it more. Um, which is funny because when I was, mm-hmm. when I first sort of found out, I, I thought there was, there was hardly anybody on the internet that was really sort of, I don't know, doing anything titanic That's what I thought. So that's why I set up the Titanic memorabilia Facebook group. Sure. And then, and that's, that went really well. And then it just sort of exploded really. And then, um, and then I realised there were other groups, a few other groups on there about Titanic as well. Um, so yeah, up to that point, I hadn't really even thought there was such a an interest in Titanic. Uh, I do now, uh, but, but but I didn't then. Right. <laughs> yeah, it's a it's a very robust community, not mm. not just online, but when you think about the sheer volume of things that people are still creating it's incredible but um when you started looking into his life i i know a little bit about his life because i talked to um yes sally ann milson a couple weeks ago yes yes Um, she's wonderful that was an absolutely fascinating conversation but one of the things that was sort of highlighted in that conversation to me was the perception of blame yes. that followed him. And I imagine that's something that, I mean, he, he, ne- he no, did never I mean, recover from that. He really never I mean, did. He, he, he really did suffer all his life. I mean, I mean, Having sort of having to struggle with you know post traumatic stress disorder really and and having all of those issues after Titanic um, did did sort of take that journey with him really. Uh, the one thing I think I found most of all, which was most fascinating, was that he his journey on ships never stopped. You know, once once he left Titanic, he continued as a quartermaster. Um, so you know he traveled traveled on numerous ships after after Titanic, never as big mm-hmm. as Titanic, but he he continued on um, sure. with with loader of a shot and I've sort of been searching his journey really, and it's phenomenal. I thought that you know when you went on a ship, you might be on there sort of all, all your life sort of thing, but no, they would be on for mm-hmm. six months or or whatever, and then they would go on to another one, so for him you know. Yeah, I um, I also assumed maybe because I'm just not smart enough to think about it, but I assumed it was more like captaincy where it was sort of semi-permanent. Yes. Once you were yes. the insert rank here on a ship, yes. you were that. That's what I pictured. Yes. I was like, once yes. you are the quartermaster of Titanic, that is it. And if you leave yes. this ship, no, you I have to admit, die. I did think the same, and it wasn't until I actually started going through the records of the ships that Robert was on um, that I realised actually he was mm-hmm. constantly on ships after that. Um, you know, a whole list of, of ships that he travelled on for a semi, sort of semi, you know, for, I don't know, as I say, a few months and then would go on to the next ship. He'd go to one port, then we'd get another ship and come, you know, he'd be a second mate, he'd be a quartermaster, um, able seaman. You know, mm-hmm. he, he went through all these ships. But, but he, you know, I think maybe we think that after Titanic, he would have been a Jonah and that would have been pretty much it. Nobody would want him after that. But actually, mm-hmm. there, there was never that stigma afterwards. You know, he continued on as normal right. um, because there was there was no blame to him. You know, it's because he was at the helm, 
didn't make him responsible for mm -hmm. the fact that Titanic hit that iceberg. You know. Exactly. I, I think it's unfair to put the blame on anyone. Yeah, I mean, Sally Nielsen is, is excellent on the life of Robert Hitchens. She's she's had a lifelong mm -hmm. knowledge of, of Robert. And, you know, I would recommend her book mm -hmm. for, for definitely for understanding his life and and mm -hmm. that journey he had. Um, so, yeah, Sally, Sally's excellent when it comes to the life of Robert Hitchens. It's been a great help to me, to be honest, to understand Robert more myself, because obviously for me, it's, it's been a brand new journey. Yeah. Um, and mm -hmm. really, for me, same as Sally, really, is to um, show that Robert did exactly what he was asked to do. You know, he, he had a job to do yeah. and he did it to the letter, you know. I think that maybe, you know, there's there's a lot of tendency for people, and, and I do this too, to sort of yes. speculate about things. But when you break it down to what happened, it was a ship, a literal ship in the night with two young men high mm. up in the air, in the cold, yes. squinting to see in the darkness. And as soon as they do, they do what they're supposed to do. And so that's not their fault. No, they didn't put the iceberg there. Uh, Murdoch didn't pause for 10 minutes to check the time and read a magazine. He reacted yes. immediately, gave an order to Hitchens, who also did not stop to tie his shoes. He immediately started going. Everyone mm. did what was within their capacity. And I believe that when you look back, sometimes it's easy to mm. say you should have, should have, should have, and that's where I think that with, blame also starts to with, come um, from. Where Robert was, um, you know, there wasn't there wasn't a view outside. It's not like a car or a, or a plane. You know, right. the, the blinds are drawn. His his focus is totally on the compass. That that's all he's got to do. That's mm -hmm. his that's his main job is to keep an eye on the compass and to follow that those orders there was nothing else for him to do um and so it wasn't as if he was right. sort of oh we could look out the window and think oh there's an iceberg it it just wasn't that case you know he literally as soon as he was given the order the order was done hard as starboard um and that and that's it really mm -hmm. isn't it it's it's uh easy to try and i suppose someone always likes to think of a, a scapegoat or someone to blame but you know, that night, right. there were, as you say, there was a, a culmination of different things that came together to cause the disaster. You know, was exactly. it going too fast? You know, could it have gone Maybe. a little lower rather than where it was? It did go a little lower anyway, I think, but just the fact it could have gone a bit lower. But there, mm -hmm. there's a lot of things there. You know, sure. the fact that it, it was delayed in its, its sort of setting off, there's, there's a whole list of things there. Yeah, it. At the end of the day, it's just sad what what happened. And but one thing that I I didn't understand was that he mm. couldn't see outside because you know I I remember for example watching yes. the the Cameron film and the way that they cut back yes. and I mean, it's a movie, so of course there's a yes. lot of sets and camera angles. And they can't show everything all at once. But in the way there would often be cutbacks between the bow and um, yes. right outside of the bridge, it, as a small child, gave me the impression yes. that Hitchens yeah. could see outside. And it's because it's also never explicitly stated. I mean, why would you have to state it? But it's one of those things where they no. don't really make it clear. I mean, you've got to remember like he they, was in the wheelhouse and there was see. a navigation in bridge in front of him. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's not yep. it's not just like a, a sheet of glass and there it is. So yeah, and I think um right. I think if you a very a very good thing to read probably for anybody who's interested in Titanic is to actually read the inquiry, especially probably the British uh, inquiry, mm -hmm. uh, which gives you know the whole the whole story of Robert Hitchens in there because he's part of he's one of those who were interviewed by the Attorney General anyway. So you can always um, right. see that online and see the British and American inquiry, which, which is 
for me, it's quite a special thing because Robert's interviewed. It's almost as if you can hear his voice. Mm-hmm. So, which does give you a little bit, yeah. you know, he's able to actually say what happened and also to, um, I suppose, bat off anything that was said against him as well. You know, any accusations that might have been sort mm-hmm. of thrown towards him, he was, was able to say, look, actually, this is what happened. What was it like for you after you discovered your relationship and then connected with Sally? Because not in the same boat necessarily, but you're of the same sort of generation away, but having different relationships. What was it like Uh, to connect with her? I mean, probably I had her book before I met her. Um, so I was able to sort of read the book and learn a bit about Robert himself because she she's done an awful lot of um, mm-hmm. detective work. You know, she's she's been and seen the family yes. and got information, which is brilliant because that 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 saved me a lot of problems because it, it say you know it was like giving <laughs> a, a, a you know a ready made family history for me. Um, so yes, I mean Sally's lovely. Uh, I've met her now a few times, so. Um, we don't probably get as much contact as we'd like, probably. But as cousins, it's um, sure. it's it's a good thing because it it just means that I have the information that probably I'd have had to search for years to find, um, but but already already there for me, which which was really really good. And I'm very very thankful to her really for for all the work she's done. Um, I think partly to show that Robert was a real person and that he mm-hmm. wasn't guilty of anything, you know. So, yeah. um, yes, he wasn't. I think the one thing is probably important is to realise he's not. He wasn't perfect. He, You know, he was a he was a sailor. Yeah. And I've no doubt he had some choice words to say now and again. Um, but <laughs> he did do exactly what he was asked to do. And I think that's the important thing. Even with the mm-hmm. lifeboat, you know, he was a mile away you know, mm-hmm. you've got to remember that he he left the life left the ship at one o'clock, so he was well out mm-hmm. before the ship went down. So it wasn't as if he was just around, literally just around the corner. He he was he was a good distance away. Um, you know, mm-hmm. so there was. You know, I think, I think he would say it would have been impossible. I think he said it was he was too far away, uh, and after the lights went out, he wouldn't have yeah. known which direction to steer anyway. Uh, and I think if we were all in that situation where we had to make a decision, you know, I remember speaking to uh, David Hazeman, who was Edith Hazeman's son, mm-hmm. and he'd spent a lot of his life as a quartermaster mm-hmm. himself, which was which was quite fascinating, really, um, because he said there was a few things that you had to be aware of that if the ship was sinking or you know, what were certain things that you needed to do to make sure you were well away from the ship. Uh, and he really said, gave three things, and that was one, the suction of the ship going down. Uh, secondly, right. items being thrown overboard. So you had things like deck chairs and anything oh. that wasn't fixed down would have been thrown over. So you had to make sure your lifeboat was well away yeah. so you didn't get showered with those sort of things. Yeah, and then the third thing he said me. was being swamped. And then you have no life saved at all, oh. you know. So if you if you're a, a, yeah. a little lifeboat with a hundred people trying to get on board, then no one's saved. So you know, there's lots yeah. of things that maybe run through your your mind. You know, when you've lifeboat six, we say it was well over an hour in the water, in the dark. You've got to remember it was also mm-hmm. heading towards the light that it was, it was sort of told to go towards. You know, it was told mm-hmm. there's a light go to the light once you've reached whatever that wherever that whatever that light is whatever ship that is offload the passengers and come back and get more mm-hmm. so that was really the aim of a right. few of them it wasn't just robert there was a few lifeboats that were told exactly the same thing to go go to that light so you know if we were in charge of a lifeboat would we have made the right decision i don't know i don't either and i think <sighs> Everyone likes to think they'd be Cameron's low, 
who, you know, he's like, right, gotta go back, moving it around, get it together. Yeah. We have lives to save. I love to think, because I'm also one of those kinds of people that gets mm. involved in things. So I like to think I might be that person who's like, no, mm. I'm going to go back. Yeah. And I'm going to rescue people and it's going to work. And then yeah. we'd all die. That seems like something that would happen to me. Not because I'm, I think I'm superwoman yeah. and can do everything, but just because I think I'd be panicking more, less smug and more, we have to yeah. help. We have to help yeah. somebody do something. And I think, um, you know, I was speaking to um, um, Edith, uh, uh, Margaret Brown's great granddaughter, um, Helen Besinger. And she, she was of that same mind, probably that she would have gone back. Um, but she mm -hmm. also said, "Was Robert wrong?" And I think she would say, "No, he wasn't wrong. He did what he felt was the right thing to do at the time." Would she have done something differently? Maybe. And I think that's that's the that's the sort of. And I feel you know she was very good in that, and I felt she was honest you know and i think yes mm -hmm. we, we may we may have done things differently we may not but as i say robert made that decision that he wanted to go towards the light save those people mm -hmm. and he was again when he when he reached uh, carpathia at probably about eight o'clock in the morning he was the last one to leave the lifeboat mm -hmm. so he made sure that everybody was off before he yeah. got off it wasn't a, a scramble to get off you know, he, he did his duty, whether he did it perfectly, maybe, maybe not. Um, but on the whole, I think he did exactly what he was commanded to do. It's really hard to try to even think yes. of being in that situation, because if you go back, you run all of the yes. risks you mentioned, being swamped, caught by the suction or it's dark what if you just get mm. too disoriented and get lost or something there's yes. so many risks but then when you have the time to consider the other side you're just like but how could you let that many people yeah. just die it's it's i mean if you think about it you, that... you've got a boat that could probably hold about 60 you've got roughly i mean yep. i think they had about 28 or something on board which it's important to realise that Robert wasn't in charge of loading the lifeboat. That was down to Lightoller no. and Murdoch. And you've got to remember that Lightoller yep. had a different... He, he took things slightly different to Murdoch. Uh, Another very Yeah, and I think that to me to is very important because Lightoller was definitely women and children only. Um, yeah, Emphasis and uh, Murdoch only. was women and children and then men could get on board. So... You know, with with the mm -hmm. lifeboat six, that was not Robert's decision to fill. All he was in, all he was to right. do was to be in charge of the lifeboat, not the filling of it. So right. very often it will be, oh, Robert only had twenty eight people. Why did he only let that amount of people on? Wasn't his decision. Um, so I think that's that's quite in, in my mind that's quite important. Um, because he was in charge of the lifeboat, but he wasn't yeah. in charge of the loading of the lifeboat. That was down to Lightoller at that at that point. Right, he was part yes. of the larger formation. I think. I mean, one other thing, probably it, that's yeah. probably on a lot of people's minds is the is the scene on 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 the film Titanic with Robert sat mm -hmm. shouting and doing all sorts of things, um, which. You know, you have the the comment that would say, "Look, you know, shut that hole in your face," sort of idea. Um, For anyone who doesn't remember, in the film, Molly yes. Brown is arguing their lifeboat should go back, and the 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 sailor who is not outrightly named is Robert Hitchens, and he tells her, "We can't yes. go back." We'll get swamped, and there will be room for one more on this boat if you don't yeah. shut and that, that hole was in your lifeboat eight. Um, so that was yep. Abel Seaman Jones. who um, was in charge of that boat. So I can understand why Robert Cam uh, James Cameron did probably decide that he would culminate all the lifeboats into one 
the problem is mm-hmm. it would have been better off being more generic rather than maybe using yeah. Robert as that all-compassing uh, problem, if you like. Um, it's the same way that myself and a few people criticize his yes, um, treatment of Murdoch and the fictional world where it's like, I, that is an intriguing plot line, but firstly, it goes against everything I've ever learned about his character yes. to accept a bribe. Um, and secondly... I mean, not even the suit. The, the bribe was the worst part to me, whereas that I was yeah. just like, "Come on, man, really? You gotta, you gotta take yeah, it down." I, mean, with I, the I think, um, I think I was. I mean, I've, I have to admit, I've watched the film once. That might shock you, really. Um, I've watched fair. the film once because I felt that the the film itself is is phenomenal. The, the actual way it's been filmed, mm-hmm. um, I think. Sure. The Jack and Rose thing. I know it's a it's a lot of people, a lot of people like that, and what have you. I think it probably misrepresents a bit of the story because they didn't exist, which is a little bit. Yeah. Uh, I know I've spent time doing. I do quite. I do. I do quite a few school talks, um, and very mm-hmm. often the question comes to me: Did they ever find the necklace? Um, so, in that <laughs> sense. <laughs> Yeah, it has a little bit of that sort of side to it. But on the whole, I think the film Titanic has opened a whole new generation to it, to the story of Titanic. So in that sense, I'm not going to um, be too harsh on the film. Um, My favourite film, I think, is A Night to Remember, which is the film that I I much prefer and enjoy watching. Right. Um, I have to admit... Oh I no! Haven't seen it yet? Oh, you should be ashamed <laughs> of yourself. I have. <laughs> I am, and I, I am because I haven't brought it up on any episode. So. <laughs> yeah, I think I think anybody but, anybody um, who's who's um, was, loves Titanic yeah. needs to watch a night to remember. It's um, again, it's not a perfect film, mm-hmm. but I think because there was survivors that were involved in the production, you know, they they were there to help. Uh, with the making of the film, there's a bit, probably yeah. a little bit more, a little bit more in that one, I think, for myself. But as I say, um, when it comes to the actual film itself, you know, you can't, you can't parallel the Titanic film for its grandeur, really, and, and what it's able to show with the rooms and, right. and everything about it is just, you know, it's mind blowing to, to watch. um... So I was part of that generation that got introduced via the Cameron film. And I will say that Mm. it is a beautiful movie. And being young when I saw it, having it be so vibrant and colorful and modern helped me tie it together because... I, I, I was eight when it came out, and to me, there was the present yes. and everything else. So ancient Egypt may as well have been happening at the same time as Titanic for all my ability yeah. to perceive time could pick up. So it illustrated a past event in a present way that I could understand, and then it was like, oh my gosh, that was... Yeah, I think hard. I think the film has definitely made a huge difference when it comes to Titanic enthusiasts. Uh, and the interest that there is in Titanic, mm-hmm. which is, I have to admit, I'm completely mind blown by the, by the actual, um, <laughs> well, just the people who are really fascinated by the story of Titanic. Uh, I mean, there are there are different right. aspects to it because there are some people who are really fascinated by the the build of Titanic, the structure. There's mm-hmm. people who are interested in the mm-hmm. internal furnishings of, of Titanic. Then there's then there's probably a bit more like myself who who's interested in the people of Titanic, and their stories and and those sort of things that that really touch the heart probably more than anything else. So mm-hmm. that that's me really. It's funny you mentioned that. Well, that's actually the same yes. reason that I'm interested in Titanic is because to me yes. it is a human story. It's you know I. 
I think that the recovered plates and saucers and spoons and forks are fascinating mm. and interesting. But the most heartbreaking thing to me is that at the bottom of the ocean are people's whole lives. There were mm. wedding gowns down there. There were life savings, things for children, people yes. going to funerals. There were people whose lives and legacies disappeared. And I'm curious about those people because yes. they were real people. And now that Titanic has become sort of part mm. of the mythos of life yeah. on Earth, it sometimes gets a little hard to separate the the yes. Titanic from yes, I think the ship um, Titanic. I think that's where I've been. I suppose working my hardest. I suppose with with Instagram and Facebook and what have you to promote not only Robert but the the true lives of these people that it's it, it's not just a story there's there's more more behind the story of Titanic so that it so that people maybe sort of when they're looking at the story of Titanic get touched by it rather than just a head knowledge of the of the story and and that, but actually think, you know, there was, there were these people, they were on board, you know, only, only 712 survived. Out of all those people, only 712 okay. survived. And, and for me, to be a relative of, of one of those that actually survived is, in my mind, is phenomenal because um, I have to realise that there's families, great-grandchildren, whose great-grandparents didn't survive. So they haven't got that right. history, you know. It's a it's it's a dark history in some ways. So for me, I feel it's right that mm -hmm. they all get spoken of. They all get that opportunity to tell their story about their their relative. So they don't don't doesn't disappear into the into the into the distance. You know, those things can be brought to life. Yeah, it reminded me of when I was first setting up, <clears throat> excuse me, this, these interviews, um, I was suggested to reach yes. out to Angelica Harris. Yeah, and I didn't know who she was at the time, but <laughs> I was like, hey, I'll talk to anyone. <laughs> I will. And I reached out to her and she mentioned, you know, she was related to the Paracchio brothers and I made a personal effort to yes. not look them up which did make me go into that interview knowing nothing. But it was, in my mind, I wanted to learn about mm. her uncles Yes. from her. Yes, I agree. And, and, and for me, it was the same with Sally Nielsen's book. You know, reading mm -hmm. the book was, was, for me, that massive eye-opener. Uh, and like you listen mm -hmm. to Angelica's story there, it, it brings things to life, doesn't it? Um, and each person has their yeah. own story. You know, each person has that personal knowledge of this person, you know, their day-to-day -day life. You know, Robert's Robert's love for his wife. You know, he had, mm -hmm. you know, he had a, a deep, deep love for his wife. Um, and, you know, when she died uh, in 1940, he died the same year she died in the in the march and he died in the september of the same year um you know mm -hmm. and it's you know it's it, it's that connection to realize that these people you know i believe he you know they died of a, almost of a broken heart because he loved her so much and then to lose yeah. her in the march and then for him yeah. to die in the september of the same year um off the coast of aberdeen on a, on a on an english trader on the english trader so, you know, there's there's lots of true life stories there, isn't there? Those little stories that maybe are only brought out by maybe family members, relatives that can just give that little bit of, um, I suppose, a bit of life to the person. To a story. Yes, because I think one of the last things Angelica told me was about um, a photograph yes. taken of the brothers. Um, and one is wearing a bow tie, I believe, and the other has yes. a silk rose. And she said that their mother made those for them and said, if you get your picture taken or when you feel, you know, happy, 
put one of them on, yes. you know, remember your mother. And they got their photo taken wearing those two little yes. little things from home. Yeah. And that's a really, like, yes. personal little story. Uh, I mean, for, for me, Robert didn't have any belongings, as far as I know, that were ever kept, because he, he really was buried in a pauper's grave in, a grave mm-hmm. in Aberdeen. Um, anybody who wants to go there, there is actually a gravestone now, which I managed to get uh, put in, um, which was in 2019. I managed to get a, a gravestone put there for Robert. But it was it was like a, a communal grave, really, uh, with another person who, who wasn't mm-hmm. connected to Titanic, um, but they were just buried in the same place. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was sort of right. nice to be able to get that done. But with Robert, he the only thing that ever was passed down was a tray. Sounds a bit of a strange thing. Um, but he had a tray that he used to carry around with him on all his trips when he went, when he would disappeared and then he would come home. And then eventually this was, this tray was given to my great grandmother, um, to my grandmother, sorry. And then that was passed to my father who then's given it to me. So it's a, a tray with a map of the world on it, um, which is quite special because it's the only thing really that as a family that we know of that Robert ever owned or, or has, has been kept by him till the end. I don't so, um, personally have a connection to the Titanic, so all of my connections are sort of second and third party found or more just the want to understand or the interest. So I can... I imagine it's very, very special to feel that connection, to know that there was a person that carried this tray or pocket watch or whistle with them everywhere, and now it's with you. Now, that's fine. Yeah, we to say the tray is the only thing that Robert passed down the family, really, that, that, that now I possess, which I say has got... Um, a map of the world in it and it's just something that gives that personal connection to him um but as far as i know that's that's literally as it as an item is the only thing i've i have a few letters of his um that he wrote um, and things like that which is quite special as well but um yeah it's uh it's having that connection with with real life people really Yes. Hmm. Yes. And uh, for me, in some senses, I've I've got both sides of the coin because I've. I've grew. I grew up with not having a connection with Titanic, so I'm in the same boat, if you like, as everybody else to start with. So I know what it's like to collect and to enjoy without having a connection. And now having a connection, I can see it from the other mm-hmm. side now as well. So in that sense, I can understand why people have this fascination with Titanic. Why they they have this connection at once bitten you can't you can't actually you know can't remove yourself from it it's it's there it's part right. of you hard to get venom out uh, of a wound becomes part of your life yeah so it's um i can see that i mean i say with the the mm-hmm. book i've written that's the whole that's the whole purpose of why i wrote it really was to bring these people to life I was about to say i haven't touched on your book yet but your book is 360 Days of Titanic? Did I get the title wrong? I may have. Yes, Titanic Day by Day, 366 Days with the Titanic. 366 is very Um, large on the cover, so it sticks out to me. (laughs) That's right. Um, It's, I mean, some people say, why have 366 days, not 365? Full circle. Um, But but purely because there there is... 
normally, you know, there is a leap year. There is that day when somebody was born or died on that on that day. So it has to be that. Um, interestingly, uh, 1912 was a leap oh. year as well. Um, interestingly, just, just out of a, not that it matters too much in that sense, but that, that was right. as well. But yeah, I mean, it, the book uh, for me was a labour of love. Took about seven years to get it together, um, but I wanted to try and encapsulate everybody mm-hmm. on Titanic. So rather than just the well-known, rich and famous, but down to the very mm-hmm. stoker, to the very maid, to to whoever fireman, to whoever was on Titanic, to be able to say, "Here's your story." Um, so. It was there was some there's some fantastic sites out there that give mm-hmm. you so much help. Encyclopedia Titanica was one. Um, there's a there's a site that has the British and American Inquiry mm-hmm. there. Um, I spent a lot of time researching to find um, you know suitable quotes and facts and figures and things that would be interesting for people to work their way through mm-hmm. in the book. Um, and I'm hoping it's it's reasonably unique really in a way that it's been set out i have been using it as like a daily calendar um instead of reading it straight through um if you haven't read simon's book shame on you um no uh shame on me because i still haven't seen a night to remember (laughs) but (laughs) um it's not structured like a traditional narrative it's broken down day by day in a calendar year um, and you mm. list everyone who was born on that day. So today, um, August 13th, it would be everyone on Titanic whose birthday was the 13th. It's also everyone whose death day was the 13th and also has at least one quote per day from a survivor. Yeah, I mean, what I've tried to do, it's not possible, it wasn't possible to do it for every day, but actually do a survivor's quote for somebody that was in that mm-hmm. list of births and deaths. It doesn't always work right. out that way. I, I tried my hardest, but it wasn't possible to do it to all of them. But I tried as hard as I could to make sure that that, was, that could be done. Uh, but still, if, if I wasn't able to do that, then I still would try and put a quote or mm-hmm. things like that in it. But it, I wanted to bring it, bring these people alive, really, to, to give some... To what it would be like mm-hmm. that night, what different people saw that night, what different people thought that night, um, and that was really where I went with that one. As you say, the idea was to make it as easy to read as possible, so that it was a for, so for mm-hmm. anybody, so that you can you don't feel like you've got to pick up and read pages and pages. You could just you literally just pick a page and say, mm-hmm. right, today's date. I'll just look at today's date and that's it, like you say yourself. And that was really the idea of it, so that it could be on the table, you pick it up, you just look at one day and, and then you can put it down again. It wasn't wasn't designed necessarily that you just literally read your way through it from end beginning to end. I know right. somebody who's done that, <laughs> so very brave of them to do it, but they've done it, gone through the whole lot in, in wow. a few sittings. So, um, But, yes, it, it, it's really there for people just to really – learn a little bit about the different people on board really and, and learn a little bit. I know that I, I thought of school teachers, I thought of um, people who aren't necessarily very good at reading, but just enough to, to help. Yeah. It, I liked it. I, um, it's on my couch um, and in the morning when I'm putting my shoes on to take my dog out um, before I do, I read the page for today. Works well for me. Yeah, and I think that's what I that's really what you're doing there is what I was hoping people would be able to do. Um so that's that's encouragement I to think me. If I read it just end to end, it would be too much to process at once because it isn't yes. a narrative. Um there's no filler. It's it's the facts. And I, I feel if I personally read it just like that. I would forget names. It wouldn't matter. I wouldn't yes. remember quotes. It just, it would be too much. Yes. 
So I like taking it in this bite-sized way to be like, okay, I can deal with eight names today. Yes. Um, Well, I mean, I have dyslexia, um, which I've had to deal Mm -hmm. with all my life, really, which um, when it comes to things like a book is, for me, would be momentous Mm -hmm. because... You know, when you when you have if some if someone's listening to this and they have dyslexia, they know exactly mm-hmm. where I am on this. Um, and so to to actually be able to get a book together, you know, it, it was for me quite an achievement to yeah. do that. Um, and so, in the very process of doing the book, to make it easy easier to read, so that somebody who maybe isn't a mm-hmm. big reader can pick up mm-hmm. and just read a page. So that that's that's where I was going with it as well. And I've had some great support, um, people who, who have helped me along the way. A, na- a man named Phil Gowan, who was a historian, he died a few years ago, but I was in correspondence with him. And he'd done a huge amount of work on um, on the people on Titanic and had a vast knowledge and a vast library of, of information. So for me, he was he was just that you know, perfect person that was able to help me with an awful lot Mm -hmm. of things. Um, But to also have the support of people like uh, Rory Golden, who was the, who's been down to Titanic Mm -hmm. uh, and recently, recently been there um, this year, actually. The Ocean Exploration. Yes, exactly. So he's been with them there. So to me, that was quite, it was good to have somebody, I tried to make it so that you had a historian um, somebody like myself would be more mm-hmm. to the crew. I had Helen Bezinger, who was able to really say a word for the passengers. Uh, Rory Golden, who really was to do with like exploration and and that side mm-hmm. side of it, and then Tim Trower, who was who was going to be the historian side of it. So, for me, you know, all these people were were a great help and and a support. Which you know, them doing a forward for the book was was a real treasure for me. I haven't read that yet. Yeah. I just went straight to, to August. <laughs> yeah, I know. Most people don't look at the forwards. Um, but, yeah, for, for me, they, they were important that I had people like that mm-hmm. on board with me who were willing to to support me as well. And uh, a lovely lady called Nadi Gabanova, who's, who did the mm-hmm. illustrations for the centre as well, she, she was um, a great support and willing to do the pictures for me. Um, she's a wonderful artist. She's done an awful lot more since, actually. But she's, she's for me, it was something different. Seeing mm-hmm. seeing her artwork for me was just something different than the norm. So I felt that that, that was where I wanted to go with the pictures uh, in the centre of the book. That's awesome. So to just—it's not to say that having photographs reproduced is bad or anything, but. I do think it's yeah. always interesting to I to have illustrations in books. I think more books should have illustrations in them. Yes. I think you, you get lots of books that have mm-hmm. lots of pictures and they're pictures we all see right. over and over and over again. So I felt let's let's just go completely different. Rory Golden gave me um the picture that he took wow. which is on the on the book itself. Yeah, uh, but, on the back. Um, um, the actual Wow, thank you. The will. Yeah, so he, he did that for me and, and, and I thought that's no, gotta go on, that's gotta go in. So that, that was that was quite nice because that connects it all up for me. Um and I say so there is that picture, uh, but I felt that actually inside that actually let's go for something completely mm-hmm. different. Um and that's where I went really with that one. So That's great because I like the variety of Titanic literature that is out and coming out. You know, between two great-grandchildren of Robert Hitchens, we have a very good exploration of his life and a literal year-long look at the lives and the souls that were on that ship. Yes. I think that's incredible. And what do I have behind me? Oops. I have a time travel titanic fiction book behind me i also have violet jessup's book you know there's there's so much to learn 
and I, yeah, and it's not to say that things that are thoroughly academic are unimportant, but for me personally, it is the human interest that gets and keeps me. Yeah, I mean, for me, a lot of people have been on this journey a lot Mm -hmm. longer than I have, Uh, and I think that's the, you know, for me to begin to learn about Titanic from properly, really, from 2012. You know, I really am at the beginning of my journey. I never realised really how much information, how many stories there are, how much, just just the, the mind-bogglingness yeah. of it, <laughs> if that okay. makes sense. Um, you know, and, uh, it, you know, you know, people come up to me and say, oh, you, you're a bit of a historian. I think not, not knowing near. <laughs> You know, I have literally, I, I am, I feel like a baby when it comes to the Titanic information. Um, so it's, it's, um, you know, when I, when I meet people who, who know their information, people mm-hmm. like Mark Chernside and Steve Hall and other people who just... I just got off a call with Mark Chernside. Oh. <laughs> oh, he is a, he is a, he is a walking encyclopedia. Yeah. He, he, he is... You know, he's unbelievable. I've met him a few times. He's such a lovely, such so a lovely nice. fellow. He was telling me about how um, hot it's been over there for you guys. I'm so sorry. Oh, it's, it's, it is really hot. <laughs> I've got a fan blowing at me now cool. at the moment. It's that hot for us. But, um, but yes, no, I think um, the knowledge, I mean, I, I do the Instagram, mm-hmm. which, um, which for me was an opportunity just to put things out there, just little bits mm-hmm. and pieces, little snippets for people to enjoy. Um, so I hope people do enjoy that as well. So it's sort of working at those things just to to help people learn a bit more. I'm, I'm glad for that, though, because this is the exact kind of knowledge I want to seek out. It's important that those stories be told, not just the people whose names get bandied about in the press all the time, but I want to know about the crew and the other passengers, people who... Yes. Whose yes. stories have very much been silenced. You know, part of I was super eager to get Dan Parks on because he's one of the top authorities on William Murdoch, who is Yes. Sorry, Robert. Murdoch is my favorite Titanic officer. But um Yes. It was because I wanted to know more about him. It's not that his career isn't important, but it's like what was I want to know what they were like. Were they the yes. kind of people that like to wear socks indoors or what? Did they like tea or coffee? Who are they? What did they want? Yes, exactly. He's um, also working with the the Titanic Memorial yeah. Lighthouse project. That that for me also is something that I'm okay. quite involved in. Um, and, you know, I'd like to see that restored. I'd like so, to see that back to what it was I've in New York and, and been talking that. to Angelica and we're trying yes. to put some kind of event together next year to raise money for the lighthouse. We actually have a planning yes. call in a few weeks. <laughs> yeah, I mean it's it's you know, I've been I've sort of been involved in that oh. from the very beginning. Um but being more involved now probably right. than ever before, I've sort of decided to take up the mantle and get involved with that more 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 mm-hmm. personally more involved in it to get that you know because you know Margaret Brown was the the one that mm-hmm. set that up and she was mm-hmm. on lifeboat six uh, my great grandfather mm-hmm. was on lifeboat six so and having two relatives that to a certain extent maybe didn't see eye to eye at the time um, now mm-hmm. can see eye to eye so having having us together, being able to work together on on that, um, I think will be a great benefit. I hope towards that, get that yeah. restored and Our back where it should be. Plans, um, no, no firm details yet. So sorry, everyone. But yes. the the overall plan <laughs> is to have some sort of convention, in which all proceeds yes. would go to the lighthouse. Yes. And that's one of my yeah. big hopes too. As soon as I found out about it, that they were raising money, I think at the in our interview, I just kind of jokingly floated the idea of like, "Oh, I'll come up and help out with stuff." She was like, 
yeah, yeah, I'll, I'll email you. I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> but I'm not mad about that. I think that these are important. It's like here in DC, we do have a Titanic memorial, but I'm sorry, it's not that good. Um, the only the only thing my problem is for for me personally yeah. being in the UK, that's that's the only thing I I it's a bit well, hard <laughs> to swim. Um, and you were like, but you know from. Yes, exactly. Uh, so I, I think um, yeah. for me, it's just being as much a help as I can from this side of the pond to to support and, and maybe give that we, help where we give you enough really. notice. Maybe we could get you out here for whenever this thing is happening. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I, that would be uh, my first really? into America. What a horrible time to come! So, yeah, it would be, wouldn't Gosh, it? I. Ugh. Anyway, I am I, I yes. am thoroughly honored to talk to you. Um, I knew that once I heard more of Robert's story from Sa- um, from Sally, that I was like, I need to learn more about this man. Yes. And it, let his voice be heard a little bit more. Just now that we're getting to the point in our times where we want to hear these other stories, they're available and they're important. Before yes. I let you go, because I'm always reticent to let my guests hang up, is there... Are there any things that you would like everyone to know about Robert Hitchens that we do not know? I don't think it's really, I mean, really, to a certain extent, Robert's life is really all, all to see, you know, it's to be seen, and he had a he, quite he, a hard he life. But I think the fact that he mm-hmm. was a family man, yeah. he loved his wife, he loved mm-hmm. his children, uh, and though he suffered I don't think because of guilt particularly because I think he did what he was supposed to do but I think just remembering that he he had a a heart you know he had a desire for his family and his loved ones and I think for me that comes out quite strongly really Um, so as as a relative you know in the films he's shown as quite harsh and quite you know, he was caught. He was from Cornwall as well, so his, his accent's not right either. But oh, we'll go I, what, what should it have been? Um, I don't know. It'd be more yokely. You have to I look will. up if you look up a Cornish accent, you'll find it's a bit different huh, from the okay. film. I'll accent. have to look at. I mean, again, I'm from America. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, um, but yeah, no, I think, I think if people can go away and and learn about mm-hmm. their lives individually. Um, Thing, like you said, really, to actually understand mm-hmm. the person, um, maybe apart yeah. from the film, because they were so, they were yeah. real people. They weren't they weren't just actors or characters. They were people, no, people who had, as you said, loving families and who wanted to live a loving life with them. Yeah, so for me, the book would have been for me doing the book would have been easy just to have done another Robert sure. Hitchens book. Um, and I, right from the beginning, decided that was not what I wanted to do. I actually wanted everybody's story yeah. to be told. So, yes, Robert's in there, and there's quotes from Robert, but I wanted everybody to be quoted in there that could be quoted from all walks of life, all types of person. And I'm no one um, to be giving out so, thanks, but as someone who is interested in that, I do want to say thank you, because it is an excellent resource just to truly understand how many people there were yeah, yeah well definitely. Simon I really appreciate you, you having me on so I've much really for coming it. on as soon as I started reading your book I was like I absolutely made the right choice in basically demanding this man come talk to me <laughs> uh, but again thank you so much for coming on for talking about your story and Robert just thank you no thank you very much for having me on been wonderful thank you very much i want to thank simon again so much for his time that was an amazing interview and you should get in touch with him you can find simon on instagram at titanic 
underscore memorabilia. You can also find him online on Facebook on the Facebook group Titanic Memorabilia as well as Titanic Day by Day 360 nope 366 days with titanic um and please i encourage you to get in touch with him because he is amazing and super knowledgeable and i also encourage you to get in touch with me because if you've been listening for this long you should be rate reviewing and subscribing to my show on your platform of choice and you should also be liking me on all the social medias which is titanic talkline on facebook twitter and instagram and you can send me an email at titanic talkline at gmail.com i'll see you in the next one bye Titanic Talkline was created and produced by me, Alexia. Be sure to keep up with the show on all the social medias at Titanic Talkline on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. That is all one word Titanic Talkline, T I T A N I C T A L K L I N E. If you want to get in touch, be on the show, sponsor the show, or have a question or anything you want to tell me, send me an email at Titanic Talkline, again, all one word, at gmail.com. That's Titanic Talkline at gmail.com. Thanks so much, and I'll see you next time. Bye!